Welcome to Adventures in Evaluation Podcast with James Coyle and Kylie Hutchinson. So here we are now for week three. Yes. And uh, so last week we were talking about effective reporting. This week we are fortunate to have Stephanie Evergreen with us. Super Stephanie Evergreen. Uh, she's, she's sort of a superhero around her office. <laughs> She's quite, she's quite interesting, and uh, she does have a book coming out uh, on data visualization. And uh, I think uh, now, unfortunately, I was kind of stuck in traffic when, uh, when we were supposed to be interviewing Stephanie. So I was really looking forward to talking with her on this particular podcast. But uh, unfortunately, I was stuck in traffic, 30-degree weather Celsius. So uh, I wasn't able to make the, the interview. But uh, from what I hear, it sounds like you and Stephanie had a really good talk. Yeah, we did. It was um, it was it was too bad you couldn't join us, but uh, uh, such is life. And so Stephanie and I um, decided to uh, plow forward. We had a good few laughs before we got going because I've never met her. Mm. Um, I guess you've worked together. You're you're good friends. Yeah, and you know what I, I in particular what I really like about Stephanie is she's the only evaluator that uh, can get away with saying "rock on." <laughs> I think she's this new generation of evaluators that is really kind of shaking up the field. So uh, why don't we go ahead and roll that interview? Yeah. So uh, here's Stephanie Evergreen. Well, Stephanie, welcome to Adventures in Evaluation podcast. Um, both Kylie and I are really excited to have you as our first official guest. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, thanks. So you're known as an innovator. Um, you're, uh, I think your title, you have a, probably a few different titles, mom, uh, other titles include the director of e-learning initiatives mm -hmm. in the American Evaluation Association. Is that right? That's right. That's one of my favorite jobs. I have lots. That's one of my favorite. Yeah. Well, it's very clear you're, um, you know, uh, around our office, you're sort of a bit of a, um, a superhero to us. We follow you through Twitter, we uh, read your blog and podcasts and stimulate a lot of discussion about uh, interest in uh, data visualization. Um, and you're uh, currently leading a new initiative that uh, we want to hear a bit about for the American Evaluation Association. Yeah, great. That's uh, the Potent Presentations Initiative. And it really started after we launched the data visualization and reporting topical interest group inside AEA. Um, when we launched it, it was just, you know, the first debut at the conference. Every single one of those sessions was standing room only. I mean, it was like people were sweating they were because it was so packed inside those, those rooms. And so it was very clear that this is a topic of interest to AEA members and evaluators in general. Um, so it's just a little bit of uh, convincing the board of AEA decided, yeah, we need to really put some gumption behind this and help evaluators figure out how to present better. So tell me a bit about what you see as the, um, we'll get into the details of the format, uh, the guidelines, and we'll certainly share all the hyperlinks, but what was the the real need that, um, that sort of screamed or called out for, for this kind of initiative? Well, that's a great question. And it's uh, hard for me to talk about it uh, in my AEA role because we're very supportive of our members and really so I think what, we, what I want to say is we see it as an opportunity for professional development because we've all been at conference sessions not just at AEA where it's hard to get much out of the session because the slides are very engaged and the presenter is using the slides as a teleprompter and it's just really hard to pull anything out even though people are trying very hard to convey really great content right um, and and from the point of view of the presenter as well 
um, it's hard to know. I mean, pre if, uh, presentations and reporting are not always our primary focus. We're evaluators primarily. So yeah, that's right. We want to be able to support that, though, because in our evaluation role, we're also communicators. Yeah, well, and that's 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 a real important part of the process. It's not just a written report. Um, on our Adventures in Evaluation podcast last week, we talked a bit about the reporting process, how it wasn't just a one-shot deal, but presentations are a really important part of that. Conferences mm -hmm. are, uh, interestingly, um, one of those arenas where there's even been a lot of research and spinoff of the value not during the presentations, but actually at the water cooler and in between sessions, so much so that you know things like... Uh, uh, open space technology and other things have come up. So what I think some of us are really happy is to see an earnest effort by an association to help, um, you know, improve those of us who are going to do our presentations. Yeah, AEA has tried a couple of different things. So so they just uh, this summer had the UnConference that they co-sponsored with the uh, Environmental Evaluators Network, right. where it was all water cooler talks and, and not really any kind of formal presentations. Um, and they added the Ignite sessions as a session type to the conference this year as another way to kind of experiment with new ways of presenting in addition to the potent presentations initiative. So we're really trying to kind of push the envelope here and see what we can do. So how do you describe this, um, this Ignite um, or distinguish Ignite from potent presentations? Or how do you describe that in sort of an elevator uh, sort of pitch to somebody? So for Ignite sessions, I would say they're five-minute presentations. You only get 20 slides. The slides automatically advance every 15 seconds. Whoa. So it's fast. It's fun. You have to be on your toes. You mean you can't push the stop button? There is no stop button. <laughs> it's really fun. <laughs> so that must be a bit uh, harrowing or uh, nerve-wracking, uh, probably the first time somebody does that. It is. I did the first one last year at the conference, and I had no idea what I was doing. But, you know, the audience is really supportive, and it's really fun, and it's, you know, there are games in between each session to try to keep things, you know, mm -hmm. enjoyable. So that's that's the idea. But it's about some of the same things you were talking about with Kylie last week. It's about distilling the message down to the most essential parts and conveying them in five minutes. It, uh, it reminds me when I was a research grad student, we used to go to, uh, I studied animal learning behavior, uh, comparative cognition, you know, pigeons versus squirrels and the like hmm. against humans. But we hmm. used to have a conference, I think it was in Melbourne, Florida. And uh, it wasn't just the grad students, but there was also these five minute presentations. We didn't have to have, you know, a slide advance every 50 minutes. In fact, back then we didn't have PowerPoint back in the dark <laughs> ages. I think it was three overheads <laughs> and go. And a lot of us really liked the fact that in five minutes, if uh, someone was not so good, um, it was a bit of mercy for them in a way. But it was also limiting ah, what might be frustrating for the audience. But for those presentations mm -hmm. that were really good, or even the content that was interesting, we knew who we wanted to go talk to in between the sessions. Right. So mm -hmm. I've, I actually floated that both with members in the Canadian Evaluation Society and other conferences. And usually they say, no way, not a chance. <laughs> No one wants to play with the format. And occasionally I've been with panel speakers where we've kind of gotten together and tried to break the mold. It's so hard. So I was really excited to see that not only was the AA sincere in doing this, but you've actually got quite uh, quite a, a healthy amount of resources uh, to share with people online. Do you want to tell us a bit about uh, the process and the sort of resources that help prepare people? Yeah, so we had a two 
training webinars on how to run Ignite sessions in particular. One of the questions that came up, I think, in both sessions was, is this a viable presentation strategy for outside of a conference setting? Like, could I use this, um, you know, in my evaluation dissemination? Which is a good question. I'm not totally sure where it would go yet or if that would be appropriate, um, but we're going to try. We're going to see how it works here and then see if that can be exported. But um, in terms of what we have outside of the Ignite stuff, we have a pre preparation checklist so that you know folks aren't waiting until the week before the conference or like many of my friends and even me once or twice working on the slides the night before. No, say um, it isn't so. <laughs> it's happened. So this way we can help people figure out you know what to do how far to advance and kind of spread things out so you're not, you know, so that you can enjoy yourself at the conference and not just hole up in your hotel room and, and work on your slides. And we've also put out slide design guidelines, which came out of uh, work I did on my during my dissertation. But basically what needs to go into good slides um, for a conference. And, you know, one of the things we've found that one of the reasons that the slide design guidelines in particular were needed was that when I do workshops on this sort of topic, the people in the audience say to me, well, this is great, but I can't do most of this because I work in an organization that has this template, this horrible, ugly template that I'm forced to use. Right. And we'll let all those organizations remain nameless. But basically what they were telling me they needed was um, if they had a guideline from the conference organizer, then they could use that as leverage in their organizations to say, look, I have to use something different. I can't use this ugly template. Yeah. Right. So we're sort of giving people permission to do something different and to, to be a little bit more useful and intentional in their reporting. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've seen a, a video of you walking through some of this for, for, for others too. Is that available somewhere online? Uh, I did a coffee break webinar that would be available for AEA members. It's in the e-library there. And I also have a lot of examples on my blog of um, before and afters and walking through procedures and exactly screenshots and exactly how you would do these sort of things. So yeah, it's helpful too. So um, I think uh, one of the, the most um, sticky uh, concepts that I've repeated to others, I don't know if it's a trademark phrase, but is, is it um, enlighten us, but make it quick. That is the slogan for Ignite. Yeah, that so, is, yeah, that is it. Yeah. yeah, and I think there's a lot of merit to that. And some arguments take a longer time, but, um, you know, I, I think for some of us in the audience, we do want a quick hit and we can always mm -hmm. do a little bit more work. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me a bit about what the audience experience or feedback has been like at these? Well, so far, it's like, uh, this is everything I've ever wanted. Well, what else can you give me? And so we're trying really hard to meet those needs as quickly as we can. Um, so this uh, this month, we'll be releasing three reports that uh, we had a student researcher do. She, we pulled out the top 12 presenters in AEA, and she interviewed each of them to get, you know, their, sort of their secrets about excellent mm. presenting. And we, we broke that down into three reports that line up with the three areas of the Potent Presentations Initiative. We see good presentations have to think about uh, message, design, meaning slide design, and then delivery. So she asked them about each of those areas and then pulled together those findings. So that's coming out, and that's something that we see people want. Um, like, how do I, what am I supposed to do? How do I emulate what these awesome people are doing? Um, we're coming up with uh, how to design research posters. 
which is a question we get about conferences in particular, a way of dissemination that you don't really see in other places. Um, we're coming out with a report on rhetoric and what the literature on rhetoric says. And then at the conference, we're also uh, doing three live demonstrations of message design and delivery, because I think people do actually need to see the mechanics of like, what button do I push in PowerPoint to make that look like that? Yeah, I wonder if you could expand a little bit on the rhetoric. What's that about? Yeah, well, that's a good question. It's not an area of um, strength of mine. So we have a student researcher who's looking it up, and we're just sort of finalizing uh, her report right now. But basically, she's looking at what has what have other fields learned in terms of rhetoric and what goes into a great presentation that we can adapt. And it's interesting because there's a whole lot of similarity between what she found and what our um, expert presenters were doing, mm -hmm. even though none of them were formally trained in rhetoric. But mm -hmm. things like structuring your presentation Right. Um, and when I say that, I mean, like, um, we're going to talk about uh, the pros and cons of focus groups and then telling people this is what we're going to go through the pros and then we're going to go through three cons and, and then you start. So that there's a structure that you're sort of announcing ahead of time or the top three lessons we learned about focus groups with girls or something like that. Um, and that sort of structure to a presentation is something that was common between the rhetoric mm -hmm. literature and our expert presenters. So. I've noticed even on my, my Netflix account, TED Talks are there now. <laughs> uh, some of us are real big fans of watching, um, not just entertaining, but even the sage on stage. And mm -hmm. some mm -hmm. of our, our gurus in the field, um, you know, I think we can go and listen to some of them tell the stories a couple times and mm -hmm. find something new in it each time. Um, has there been any backlash or resistance or naysayers? Or, or what's the response been like from... Uh, the skeptical crowd. I haven't heard much of it yet, but what I anticipate coming, what we did here, when we asked people what goes into a great presentation, so many of them said it's got to be a good story. Mm. And I would, and initially I was like on board with this completely. Like you said, TED Talks, they're amazing, right? You're you're in it for 18 whole minutes and, you know, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. um, but the more I started thinking about it, the more I realized it's really hard to fit a story into a 15-minute paper session at a conference. Like it just right. doesn't always make sense, yeah. right? Um, and I didn't really find the solution until I was in a webinar recently run by a guy named Gavin McMahon. He he runs a site called Powerful Point. And his webinar was about how there are different types of presenters. And we're not all storytellers. Some of us are better at being teachers. And so a pro-con structure might fit our talk or our data better than a story, for example. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of research that says stories are very powerful. They tap into the emotion and they tap into the logic. But that doesn't work for everybody. We're not all natural storytellers. And Gavin's additional point was that even though the, some of us are storytellers, those can often be the people, and they are in AEA, who will ramble on and on forever, and they actually need some structure on their yeah. story. <laughs> so. well, that's another story. And let me tell you about this other story, and then <laughs> there's a wild tangent. And, you know, um, we all have some different preferences and different styles. Mm -hmm. And there's some of us who are able to track or really like that meandering tangent if we're in the mood for it. And uh, I, I'm guessing the potent presentations probably doesn't encourage that, but I guess you could probably still make that happen. 
Yeah, I think you can fit it into a 15 minute talk if you need to, so long as you convey what you have to convey in that 15 minutes. The problem with the meandering talks is when you realize you have 30 seconds left and you try to cram in everything, you know, your next 10 slides. Nobody, nobody likes going through that. Are there any people that you've, um, that you've really, you've really thought uh, you want to attract to this, this format and, or that, that should be game to go or any people that you would especially encourage to, to, to look into this for, for future? Hmm. That's a great question. Well, I'd like to see this expand outside of evaluation eventually, but um, I think anybody who's um, giving a, you know, a pan or a paper session of the conference, we want to attract. I think we're less applicable right now to say like round tables where you, know, you wouldn't necessarily have slides. It's more of an informal talk. Um, it, or like with panel discussions, that's a different story too. But especially the folks who are doing uh, longer sessions, that we have people who are doing 90 minute demonstrations. That's where we've got to bring in mm-hmm. uh, some more some more design skill and some more messaging skill. Do you see any future in um, uh, potent presentations for keynote addresses? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I certainly heard, you know, it's very any conference I've been to, not just evaluation ones. There's definitely a lot of you know attendance at these keynotes, and and it's really hit or miss. In my oh, own, it is right. Yeah, you're right. Well, one of our strategies in getting the feedback of the expert presenters was that other experts would be willing to listen to them. We already know that we're attracting, uh, we already know that we're attracting the novice crowd um, and that we've got a good following there, but we're really looking to tap into the people who already kind of feel like they know they've got a style that they're comfortable with. Um, So yeah, we're trying to we're trying to hope that their their peers will be able to speak to them a little well, bit. Well, that's a that's a good idea. I certainly know when um, I used to manage a, a, a distance education unit from a university, I really had to build a relationship with anybody who I was going to host who was delivering a session on, you know, uh, you know, depression in the workplace or what have you. And many of them were so careful or so um, protective of their slides. I really had to earn a place of trust before I could say no over this particular medium, you know, uh, these are best practice guidelines or over this medium, they won't be able to even see or read it. And Mm -hmm. so um, I think having quote unquote experts, I just did air quotes for those who can't see out there, (laughs) uh, is going to be uh, probably helpful for those who are maybe resistant to change. Yeah, well, let me tell you one other cool thing I think that will help. So last year, when I was with the Data Visualization and Reporting TIG, um, we put on a slide clinic, and we're doing it again this year where the DVR TIG and P2I are co-sponsoring this. So it takes place before the conference really starts, and it's a walk-in clinic so that people can bring in their slides and get some triage one-on-one um, from a, from somebody who's trained in this sort of thing right. uh, and, and make some quick adjustments before you know they go out there and deliver. And, Should you, know, you put these people it? on the airplanes for all of us who are flying to these conferences? <laughs> because invariably, whether it's you know the flight to Denver to AEA a few years ago, you just look around, you see the slideshows, and you know yeah. that it's a plane <laughs> full of last-minute people. You wonder if flight attendants trained in potent presentations could do a little triaging in between beverage distribution. Oh, my God. I think you're expanding our whole initiative here. I love it. I might be getting ahead yeah. of ourselves. Yeah. No, but you're right. You're right. And, you know, what we what, what I found last year was that while the crowd wasn't large, and that's understandable because nobody knew what we were doing, the people who did come 
were some of those longtime experts that where I've even been in their presentations and gone, oh, please pick a new font. And now that was our opportunity in a one-on-one -on -one setting um, to be able to say this font right here needs to get changed. Um, and so I'm not sure that's going to happen again, but that seemed like a good strategy for us. They, they, they seem to appreciate that one-on-one -on -one coaching. Well, that's great. Listen, um, Stephanie, I'm really grateful for you making some time for Kylie and I on our, uh, our new uh, Adventures in Evaluation podcast. We know um, how uh, much of a, uh, a leader you are in, in Twittering for our field. Um, definitely a, a bright light in the area. Um, definitely a good sense of humor. Uh, any last sort of comments or, or things you want to share with uh, the audience that's uh, listening today? I think what I want to say is how much I appreciate what you're doing. I get random emails all the time from people who are like, what do you think about, we need an innovative reporting idea for this, or how would you make this graph? I get these random emails all the time, and somebody just emailed me the other day and said, uh, we're thinking about doing a podcast. And I said, perfect. I know exactly who you should contact. And I sent them to the two of you. So That's great. I think what you're doing is awesome. Yeah, and I think you're leading the way and showing us another way that we can disseminate and get information out that isn't a typical report. So thanks. Well, it's an experiment for us. We're looking forward to uh, seeing what audience uh, uh, members, uh, as it grows, think about it. So Stephanie, uh, on behalf of uh, Kylie and myself, thank you so much for making this time. Thanks for inviting me on, James. It was great. So, Kylie, what did you think of that interview with Stephanie? Well, first, I really wished I'd been there, but um, I think one of the points that you discussed together that, that was really relevant for me was this idea of that how do we convince those people that need this information, that need this initiative, need this help, how do we convince them that they need it? Because <laughs> sometimes, like a lot of things, we end up preaching to the converted, although... I think there's going to be a lot of people at the data visualization, their topical interest group annual meeting. I think there's mm -hmm. going to be people there. It's going to be standing room only. And a lot of people will start to see what the buzz is about. And so maybe bit by bit every year we'll see some converts. So, Kylie, what did you think about the idea of doing these uh, five-minute presentations where you just – there's no stop button? I mean, does that – does that, uh, does that cause you to be anxious and, 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 and fear uh, you're going to have to run from the room? Or are you excited about doing something like that? No, you know, I'm really excited and, and I wish I could actually be there. I won't be at the conference this year, but I, re I really wish I could do one. I've only ever done one Ignite press, uh, presentation before. And for those people who aren't familiar with the term Ignite, they might be familiar with the Japanese term Pechukucha, if I say that right. How did you and say that? Pechukucha. Very, that, like, that almost sounded kind of Portuguese now, but <laughs> it looks it, it looks like Pechua Kucha. Okay. For people, and what so, does that mean? Well, it, it basically this whole idea of of twenty slides in in twenty seconds per slide originated in Japan, and uh, when I did it. I just found it a fabulous process. It really kept me on my toes. Now, I was one of 10 people doing it. And I have to say, the majority of people went way over their time. So I think it's the kind of thing where you may not be good at it your first time, but as you get practice, then you get better and better. I think it really trains you to really 
get it down to the most essential key messages like we're talking in uh, effective reporting. So the one thing too that uh, we I noticed that you didn't have time to talk about in, or maybe Stephanie was just too modest, is that she does have a book coming out. She's, she's furiously working on it. Yeah, she she mentioned it, but um, yeah, she she she's certainly not uh, she's not going to self promote too much. So why don't you tell us a bit about that? Well, all I know is that um, it's going to be. She did her dissertation, obviously, as she mentioned in this area, and so she's been contracted by Sage Publications, which is obviously a very uh, well respected evaluation publisher, to put together a, a more detailed book, and it's coming out. I think her deadline is to have it by next March, but she said that she's having so many tr so much trouble getting into the writing. She's got a small child. She's got all sorts of things on the go. That what she's been doing is every every month she's going to a retreat center for three days. And uh, wow, that's a good idea. Yeah, so I think we can look forward to uh, having that probably next summer or definitely launching before the next evaluation conference for 2013. Maybe so. one day we'll try and do an Ignite podcast. Oh, that would be interesting. <laughs> well, there are these snappy five minutes, although I didn't ask uh, Stephanie if there's someone at the end who has like that big shepherd's hook who comes out and pulls you off the stage. Well, no, what happens is it's, it's all queued up. So you only have uh, your slides are automatically queued up. In advance. So is there a trap door at the end and the person just sort of falls through or? No, there's not. Okay. But James, why don't you bring the shepherd's hook for uh, for next for the next conference? Okay. Okay. So listen, what do we have up for next week? Well, next week we're going to talk about some of our favorite resources. Maybe the kind of evaluation resources you would take to a desert island. Maybe a desert island with the internet. But if you had to do a program evaluation, uh, both you and I will uh, sort of cook up our top five. Okay, that sounds good. I'm looking forward to it. Great. Well, listen, I hope you don't get stuck in traffic and you have a better week uh, this coming. Thanks, James. And just a reminder to everybody, if you have any comments on anything you've heard or uh, with uh, today's podcast, or if you have any suggestions for future podcasts, then you can go to our website, adventuresinevaluation.podbean.com. Thanks, everybody. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. For anybody who wants to also get in contact with us directly, you can email us at adventuresinevaluationpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs>